ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to yet another episode of the Raw Knowledge Podcast. You already know who I am, you already know why we're here and what we're talking about with another fantastic guest with some knowledge bombs for you to be able to take away some key applications and provide a little bit of entertainment as well. My guest today, I'm here with Matt, Matt Schrammer. Am I pronouncing that right? That's, that's good enough, Alex. It's that's good, good enough. Yeah, that's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, please, please correct me. Um, give the people a bit of a rundown, give them a bit of a background, because this one is a bit of an amalgamation, because you've got sort of multiple facets going on within your sort of sporting endeavors and now the, the career that you're pursuing more in property. Yeah, man. Yeah, so a bit about me, Matt Schrammer, um, born and bred Brizzy. Made my way to the Gold Coast uh, after I signed a professional contract with the Gold Coast Titans, National Rugby League side. Played six seasons there professionally. Um, loved it. Retired, moved in the real estate, uh, in sales, and then got out of that, got into high-performance coaching with um, young athletes, uh, sort of anywhere from 12 to 14, and now, um, yeah, running my own company, the Strama Group, a Gold Coast buyer's agency, basically helping property buyers here on the Gold Coast secure property. So a bit of a journey and um, the things that intertwine, I think, are property, sport, mindset, business, they've all sort of intertwined. And yeah, I feel I'm in the, in the right place at the right time at the moment. That's good, man. That's good. And I think we'll talk about some of the crossovers because like you said, how they intertwine, the skill sets you probably learned from the sporting yeah. and into the career within property, etc. Yeah. What initially was the protagonist for you with your rugby is that something that since you were a kid you loved it it was always the number one goal or was it a bit of a hey actually I'm just good at this and I'm going to follow that path no it was um, yeah definitely just something I dreamed of as a kid um, from a young age dad played it my older brother played it I'm the baby of the family so I was basically instilled that I'd be playing footy so you know, watch it on telly and that, and I sort of thought to myself, I want to, I want to be there from, yeah, from basically played my first game at six years old and uh, played ever since after that. So my whole childhood was pretty much had that ambition to, yeah, be a f- footy player, as a lot of kids are. Yeah, man. I mean, you obviously you did quite well because I know a lot of kids have the dream, they have the passion, but they don't get the opportunities. Were, were there any? sort of big things that helped you able to like actually fulfill that dream, especially early on as well? Or did you have a lot of pushbacks? Did you have any major obstacles and adversities to actually make it as a professional paid athlete? Yeah, I guess you'd ask any athlete. Like, it's not a um, it's not a smooth way to get there. I mean, if it was, everyone would be doing it. Do you know what I mean? So I think um, in any aspect of life, whether professional sport or... Um, you know whether you're an entrepreneur or whatever it is I think the people who get in that sort of top 1% always overcome some sort of adversity or um, you know like like anything I think you have to get through sort of pain barriers and, and self-limiting beliefs and all those sorts of things so um, yeah there's heaps of setbacks you know growing up whether it be from you know not making footy teams and um, you know I was always um, a lot smaller than a lot of the other kids and all those sorts of things, but I think something that really was instilled in me young was, um, you know, coming from an immigrant parents, you know, dad's from Poland and my mum was from um, the Philippines and, um, yeah, they didn't have, have much coming to Australia, so they just had that that old mindset of just work hard and, um, 
yeah, be re- resilient is a word that's always stuck with me. Yeah. Mm. It's yeah. a bit of a key one. It's a key attribute. And I think a lot of people who are successful or who do well, sounds like your parents have been great role models, like yeah. coming and just giving you that opportunity and their resilience, I guess, with what they've been through. Yeah. Great, you know, a lifestyle in Australia. Are you obviously fairly close with them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so my, um, yeah, I, I mean, like a lot of people, I owe a lot to my um, my family, yeah. So my, my dad was like, he was just a garbage truck collector and, you know, worked in retaining walls, you know, at like 4 a.m. And then my mum was just like a hotel cleaner sort of thing. So no education, no nothing. And for them to sort of, uh, you know, give me and my brother, we didn't have anything special growing up, but we had a roof over our head and, um, you know, always food on the table and, and looking back, you know, you sort of think, oh, you missed out on a lot as a kid, but I wouldn't have changed the thing because as you get older, you do realise like having those um, those principles when you're young, you, you cherish and you, you're a lot more grateful for things, I think, as you get older. So, um, yeah, I owe a lot to my parents. Definitely had that hard mentality, which, you know, now growing up, you know, can't, is there's lots of pros and cons to everything, but um, I definitely feel it gave me that um, that edge as a sportsman for sure. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you, you're very grounded, and I think that says a lot about your upbringing. And I think it's really easy, I imagine, to get sidetracked or get caught up in fame or even popularity when it arises. Now I know a lot of people have not been in the professional realms. Could you perhaps give us a bit of an insight of what it's like, like the day? in you know a professional athlete or when you were playing at the top level what that consisted of how much training you were doing how much guidance you got from perhaps you know nutritionists trainers was it just 100 percent go 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 did you get any downtime yeah it was, a, it was a weird one it was a um it's an interesting career hey like um yeah you, you're basically paid to to train with your mates and then go out and play the sport you love so um from the outside it's seems like the best job in the world which I still believe it is you know I, I loved every minute of it but people don't really see the other side of it where you need to manage your emotions your injuries your um, recovery um, more from a mental state like it's, it's it's such an up and down industry where um, the pressure cooker's on you you know so like you know we'd have our pre-season trainings that you know hardest things you'll, you'll ever do sort of mentally and it's it's hard hard yakka and you've got to get through it and and you're always in competition with um fighting for spots and and different things like that and um yeah then you've got to perform like it's pretty cutthroat so you you're on a contract and stuff like that but um as soon as you're not performing it's pretty much um see you later so yeah people don't see that side of it where you need to be able to balance your emotions uh in ways that probably most people wouldn't especially like young kids like i came straight out of school into professional sport environment so you got to mature really quickly and um yeah it's basically a lot of a lot of blood sweat and tears a lot of training a lot of emotional resilience needed and um yeah a lot of management around yeah food recovery um i guess in your industry you'd understand all that um sleep and yeah that that really created a lot of knowledge for me in terms of um you know away from the field in terms of being an all-round athlete sort of thing yeah which as i said to you once before i respect people in any field whether it's bodybuilding or powerlifting or netball or you know all professional athletes 
um, have got to be disciplined and, and all those sorts of things. So, um, yeah, it's the best job in the world for sure. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I imagine, you know, a dream of mine was always to be a, a Formula One driver. Oh, yeah. At the top end. No, we, yeah. Wouldn't that be the best, though? It's just extreme. Yeah. It's, it's um, yeah, something I'd love to be able to give back to others and mm. perhaps even get into one day. And mm. something that always fascinates me about being on the top end, whatever sport it is, is just how precise and how much how many resources can go into it in like you know from the injury rehab to the nutrition to the training to the protocols to the sleep all of all of this and you have these specialists that come in and you said before you know like there's things that you've been able to take out of it do you think a lot of that that you learned from i don't know if it was a team that you had looking after you or after your squad uh when you learned about nutrition movement etc do you think a lot of those things that you you, you were able to apply to your everyday life now? Like, was it very specific? Was it very hands-on? Or was it actually not? Was it very generalized? Do you think there could have been more support for, for training, nutrition, and, and, you know, sort of recovery, et cetera, and all of those you know, yeah. modalities? Yeah, no, I, I, reckon, um, I reckon there could be a bit more hands-on. I mean, you're in a team environment and the squad's about, you know, 40 people, so it's hard to get that. I guess in your, your, you can relate like that one-on-one sort of coaching or small intimate sort of coaching. But in saying that, a lot of the guys get there because they're pretty self-driven. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So um, like I, even off-season, I'd still train. You know, they didn't have to check up on us. Or, yeah. You know, you're an athlete playing professionally because you were training when others weren't as a kid. Do you know what I mean? So... Um, the more guidelines and like they weren't setting you like macronutrients or anything. No, Did no. They- feed you well, at the, the you know at the facility or were they were you just like now nah, do what you want as long as you perform yeah no look it's getting a bit better now there was there was a, it depends really on the um the trainer at the time like the head performance coach i reckon and the staff because i've had years where no nah, it's just as long as you're performing but i think as the years progress it's getting a lot more science-based and mm. different things and a lot my last few years there you know i was very driven towards um calorie intake and all those sorts of things me being a smaller guy I was always under the microscope to make sure I'm eating enough food and um, all those sorts of things because the amount I was running each day and training and weights just was not getting enough food and putting on weight because you know at, at you know 80 kilos tackling 120 kilo guys like your body needs that um, muscle and, and, and um, impact is basically so yeah a lot of a lot of um, a lot of the food part of it was self-driven but they gave you gave you guidelines yeah but a lot of what I learned in footy I, I just did it because um, you know your coach tells you to but now that I'm a bit older now a bit more mature and now retired I actually use all those principles looking back at exactly what you said for my personal life now and it, it's instilled a lot of um, yeah habits and and routines and stuff like that um yeah just in normal life now it's yeah. been good yeah grateful for that 100 percent. i feel like there's as you said it's getting better yeah and there's a lot now i think the athletes are realizing where they can go actually if we supplement with strength training if we have more specific mm. you know nutrition regimes that you can definitely get more i mean it, 
I always say, um, me and my dad talk about this, like you look at the rugby players back in the day, mm. you look at them now, yeah. they're pretty damn jacked. Yeah. Yeah, right? Back in the day, it was just yeah. lads running around. Have a beer at half time. Ex- like, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Literally, yeah. Pretty funny. Yeah. Um, but now everything's, you know, and I, I don't think we want to, we want to get serious, but at the same time, I think we, we still need to remember it's a game. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. But it's amazing that you can play this and get paid for yeah. it. Yeah. You made a really good salient point before when you go back to, and you said it was like, you know, getting to train with your mates. Mm. You know, you get to spend time, and I imagine you, know, you, great, you make great friendships and, mm got some phenomenal memories mm. but that does um leave a bit of a i guess a hard sort of end if you come out mm. of that and mm. a lot of i know sports athletes they don't know what to do yeah especially when i mean you're still so young mm. and you finished up now mm. fortunately for you you found something you're passionate about mm. do you think a lot of athletes struggle um for a little while and become almost institutionalized when they're in there and then they come out and they're like what do i do in my life like all i did was like footy with my mates, like I was really good at it, but mm. now what? Yeah, literally, you land on the head. Like it's, it's one of the most common um, things about athlete, post athlete transition. They sort of it's, yeah, it's 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 huge. Like the depression uh, rates and um, yeah, just you hear guys getting lost, and um, you know we all go through it as well. But because yeah, it's literally you come out of school, you put in this um, on a bit of a pedestal, and you do, you living your dream basically but there is an expiry date on that so when that day does come around um yeah it's a bit like okay now what? you're basically back to where you were as an 18 year old in the real world where everyone's sort of got jobs and got a good resume and uh, built up experience so yeah a lot of guys just struggle because yeah for their whole career it was all about footy and it was hard to have any other passions when you're playing because you're so focused on making the team each week you know, getting re-signed, performing. Yeah, that's what matters. It's like a bit of a bubble. So as soon as you're out of the bubble, you're back in the real world, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, you know that it's, it's, um, yeah, it's a You ask any athlete, any sport, yeah, it's always a tough transition, yeah. What, what was it like for you? Like, did you have this in the back of your mind? Like, hey, you know what? When I finish one day, I, I have an idea of what I want to do. Or was it something that was quite different to what you perhaps anticipated or did you not have a clue just like you know what I'll cross that bridge when I come to it literally yeah no idea (laughs) probably asking my most dudes like yeah you just have no idea what's coming or what to do so I was in an interesting situation where I actually retired you know due to sort of medical advice so um, yeah I did my um, ACL in round two and I had that was sort of I was coming off the back of about eight surgeries all back to back and um, yeah, that, that after that one, they sort of said, you know, you should retire. And, you know, I had, I had a few hip problems and cam lesion surgeries and, and a bit of bone. It was just a lot of pretty bad uh, sort of injuries, which caused a lot of long-term damage if I kept playing. So I had I had a few months um, as my contra- contract was running out to sort of have a think because, yeah, I literally had no idea what to do. Um, and then when I made the call to retire, I basically... Um, yeah, I did some study and jumped straight into a career I had no experience or anything in. So, um, yeah, it, 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 you just have to throw yourself. And then I just kept chopping and changing different jobs, doing different things and, yeah, just finding yourself and where your strengths and weaknesses lie as a as a, a professional person now in the real world, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that took some time. And, and I think, as I said, for most athletes, it takes, I reckon it takes around two years to sort of, 
find your feet, which, yeah, I personally didn't find my feet till around three years post-retirement, I'd say, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought that up because, I mean, I wanted to talk a little bit about that because I know that's around the time I mean you met whole yeah world. yeah yeah and you were sort of in rehab and we got yeah. chatting yeah that's right yeah. and i remember you were in there doing your thing and you're like oh you know i don't know whether to go back with yeah. this that, and the other do you think that um as because you you know had that background in, in sporting endeavors have you found that when you did you know come out and you were doing your rehab and you you see you sort of you made that decision you know i've got to unfortunately i've got to stop this because i imagine i'll ask the question would have you if you didn't have the injury? Would have you carried on? I mean, it's a bit of I imagine it's a no brainer, like you would have, but I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, she could. Man, hundred percent. Yeah, I would have just kept going till, um, till the body, body. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that in rugby. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's one of those, it's one of those ones, isn't it? Like I'm all about things happen for a reason, for sure. And mm. when one door closes, it means another one's opening for you to walk through. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, it's no point keep banging on the door that keeps closing on you so um but yeah if in an ideal world of course i'd love to be you know continually playing and be awesome but also in saying that um i think if we all lived in a world where we've got this blueprint of how we want it to be you know what i mean mm. we'd all be i think that's that's the that's the problem so many of us have expectations and we hold on to those expectations and do you know what i mean and then as, as you know, I know everyone knows not everything goes to our blueprint in our head pretty much 100% of the time. Always things don't go to plan. It's how you respond to those and how you, um, how you reconfigure yourself and, yeah, move past it and, and keep building on that. And I think, yeah, as I said, I think um, things break down and then you get to break through 100%. Yeah. Like it. Yeah. It's a good mindset. Yeah, I like that one, yeah. Robin Sharma, if you know him, yeah, right yeah he, all I'm into the quotes. Robin Sharma, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, things will break down to get the breakthrough. And I, um, yeah, I believe that. Even as an athlete, like when you have an injury or even in your sense, someone's coming through rehab or they want to um, build muscle or whatever it is, you, you get to a point where you've got to actually, if you're not, you're plateauing or it's not going to where you want to be, you've got to break it down. And you get, so just like, I remember when I, I couldn't pass left or right my whole, um, most of my childhood, I don't know. I just always used to pass the other way and then mm. got to a point where scouts sort of tell me, mate, you can't pass, like, you'll never make it because you can't pass one way. Then it's like, okay, I need to break it down to get to that breakthrough. So you always need to break down skills, break down yourself, break down what's going on in your life and then you'll get to that next level. Yeah. That's right. Mm. that's a good point I think it's a good takeaway for a lot of the listeners as well before we get into more of what you're doing now and perhaps some of the transition what are some of your fondest memories from playing at that high level and perhaps contrast that with some of or one of the biggest adversity so I guess maybe the fondest memory the biggest win versus the toughest challenge and that could have been perhaps that injury and, and exiting the thing that you you know you first fell in love with yeah I guess um, probably the best memory as uh, a lot of footy players would probably say is the debut like my first game um, got the call up that you know we, we were playing at Suncorp Stadium which is in Brisbane and anyone who's been there would know how good of a stadium it is like it's epic and 
because I'm from Brisbane originally, I'd, I'd go there watching, you know, footy teams play all through my childhood. So for it to be the home ground, ah, the, the stadium where I'd play my first game was just like this crazy moment. It was just surreal. So, um, yeah, it was like 30,000, 40,000 people and, um, you know, just fresh 20-year-old and got, got the start and the call-up and I was, I was playing run-on and ended up um, winning man of the match for our side that night and, yeah, just to have, you know, family as well because I was in Brisbane and, um, yeah, it was just a crazy, crazy moment. And I still remember, remember it so clearly, like, running out and just the roar and, yeah, it was just insane and, like, that's what I mean. It's, um, yeah, it's it's funny, like, dreams can come true if you just stayed keep visualising it all it's like I'd visualise those sort of moments as a kid literally running out of a backyard no one there but you're just pretending you know what I mean so it's like that crazy visualisation you can feel it believe in it and um, it can come true so yeah that'd definitely be the highlight and then yeah probably the low light would definitely be um, obviously retiring not on my own terms um, but yeah it's funny it took me you know a good 6 to 12 months and then you look back and you're like man that was one of the best stepping stones I actually had in my life. It's one of those things where at the time it's like the world's crumbling on you, but you don't actually realize in six, 12, could be two years, you'll realize that was actually a platform to put you to another state, another level, but you can't see it at the time. You know what I mean? So in saying it at the time, that felt like the hardest moment of my life for sure. But then looking back now, being a bit older, and seeing what come off the back of that retirement, it's like, yeah, hindsight's crazy, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. A, it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, literally. literally. So, um, yeah, they'd, they'd be the two to answer your question for sure. Yeah. Again, I can relate with the vision and the visualisation. I think it's really important to get clear on it. Oh, People yeah. think it's a bit sort of woo-woo, but oh, man. now you have to completely immerse yourself in that what it is like I mean I kind of got goosebumps when you were talking about it because you know being on what I call the stage the stage is many things it can be a, you know a concert stage it can be the stage you know that you play for in a stadium mm. it can be on the athletic stage at the Olympics on a running track or on a bar it doesn't matter like if that's your thing like you will just that will be the biggest rush for any performer uh, whatever it is and it's just an absolutely beautiful feeling to be able to come out and just that energy yeah it's mm. it's 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 hard to describe but it's you mm. know for people who understand and know it's like there's nothing like that fuel on the fire that's, oh, that's a wonderful thing 100% and as you were saying like yeah people do think it's like a woo woo thing like visual I, I see it more like you're telling your subconscious where to go so you're giving yourself clarity and um, and a bit of um bit of a path to follow like so many people I feel go through life without any sort of vision or any sort of ambition or just something to at least dream and follow so the compass is always just going to lead you around in circles and lead you to the same spot you've always been in do you know what I mean so I think visualization is huge try and really feel and visualize where you want to be and you know, next week next month two years ten years like literally vision in and feel it and in and what what are the steps you need to do to get there? What what person do you need to become? What limiting beliefs do you need to break from? You know all those sorts of things, and things just start popping up in your life. Not like from a woo woo point, because your brain and your subconscious is actually more aware of them coming into your life now. You know what I mean? It's that old car analogy. You 
I didn't when I got my car. I'd never seen it before, and then ever since I got it, I see it everywhere now. See what I mean? So yeah, yeah. It's like it's people who have an abundance mindset keep seeing abundance. People who have a negative mindset and and a um, a lack of mindset f- always feel and they keep why me? I got a lack of this. I got a lack of that. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, I think I think visualization is huge, huge. Yeah, and from an athlete's point of view, you talk to all the best athletes; they all they all incorporate it for sure. Mm, you yeah. have to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's been proven psychologically. If you want to practice yep. a skill, if you can rehearse it in your mind, I, I think uh, a, a really popular one that people might know of, or they can search up, is actually um, uh, the the Australian swimmer. What's his name now? Um, oh, his name just gone out of my head. Jesus, that's terrible. Um, I keep wanting to say. Filthy, he's the bodybuilder. Uh, I know that's definitely not. The, the, I don't know why I'm saying that. The people will be screaming it down the yeah, microphone yeah, now. But his yeah. um, his psychologist uh, said to him, uh, you know, I want you to visualize this. You know, every day. And it was when he was a kid. And he would he would visualize it, and he got this. I think it was a CD or something. I don't know something. Yeah. And he had this sort of music in his head. But at one point, at the Olympics, um, water got in his goggles, at like one of the <laughs> important, oh, and he didn't have time to do it, and might sound silly but he's like how hard is it to swim in a straight line but he literally could not see a thing yeah, wow. but he knew he counted every stroke mm. he knew Michael Phelps there we go oh, Michael Phelps, Phelps yeah, Phelps yeah, yeah. and um, yeah he so he knew how many strokes each end and he just smashed it and that's, I think that's when he actually won the, the gold when he first won yeah, his true. gold medal and it was because he knew how many strokes he knew exactly he'd been through it that many times that he did it with his eyes closed yes. and he just yeah. trusted the process yeah um, but yeah, I think, and I know that's something I mean, you and I have in common, we're big on sort of self-development mm. and a lot of those tools. And I think people are too quick to turn their nose at them. But again, they're the people that usually are the victim, the scarcity mindset mm. versus the growth and the abundance, which is easier said than done, but you have to take ownership for everything, the good, the bad, the ugly. And over time, if you do take ownership for that, that's how you can reach that, what we call, um, like the, there's like a, there's like a ladder, it's called the, mm. the you know the, the growth ladder yeah and at the top is making things happen yeah, you know yeah. and it's taking ownership for your bullshit and you know yeah, making sure cool. that you're treating yeah. others with respect and all yeah. this and then at the bottom is like blaming everyone else you know victim all yeah. that yeah and, and, and it's we always say me and my close group circle of friends we say where are you on the ladder we need to wake up like where are you on that ladder right now mm. yeah you That's know cool. like, yeah, like yeah, you don't yeah. feel sorry for yourself like maybe we need to have a little bit of a chat you know yeah. like you need a bit of yeah, a yeah. talk but yeah. like where are you on that ladder that's cool I like that um, so to kind of phase into where you are now you, you know you had your injury you rehab that you made that decision you had that sort of two years by the sounds of it where you were sort of finding what you want you said before you know it was the breakdown to break through why buyer's agent perhaps describe that for people I know you were telling me last time we had a bit of a capture which yeah. gave me a really good insight um, maybe give us a bit of context to what that is and, and why yeah. you know you wanted to do that a little bit more yeah, I guess it all it all stemmed from like um, in my personal life, like away from foot when I was playing footy, and then after footy, I've always been into property investment, just on a personal level. I I just love sort of buying property and then um, either renovating or um, for profit or just renting out. And the more I got into that, the more I realised it's a it's an asset that um, is super powerful if you can get it right. And then I was getting some success within the within the property world in my personal life and then people would just sort of 
or he's turned to me just asking, oh, what about this or should I do this? And I just loved it. I'd get online and help them and sort of show, oh, do this. And, you know, some people would be in negotiation with an agent and they'd ask me, oh, what do I say, man? And I'd say, I'll say this. And then, you know, and then if he says that, say, that. you know, and so I became like this person who I'm sure you, and you're the same in your world where people ask you about nutrition or sport. I became that in the real estate mm. sort of world with buying property. Mm. And, um, I loved it. I didn't feel like I actually enjoyed it. Like I'd go to open homes for no reason just because I like going there and yeah. assessing property and talking to agents and connecting. So, um, yeah, and then I, I started looking into the buyer's agency world, which essentially is, um, I, I call it like, you know, if you go in the court, you know, there's a defendant and a prosecutor. So there's a representative for each side basically. But for some reason in the real estate world, especially here on the Gold Coast, um, you know, there's the real estate agent who works for the seller and buyers usually turn to the real estate agent as well. So there's no one actually representing the buyers professionally. So I'm sort of that man who's, I work only for the buyer, I'm paid by the buyer, um, and I'm giving them professional representation to go into a transaction now. That essentially is the biggest, you know, down payment of money in their life. It's yeah, just crazy that that people don't realize there is like help available to make that and outsource. So, um, you know, we outsource people like yourself to put on some muscle. You know, we outsource an accountant to do our taxes or a plumber to fix a leak, but to buy a, you know, half a million to a $1 million asset, you know, we still try to do it alone. And yeah, it's, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. yeah. So I seen a huge gap in the market. I was like, wow, it, in America, they call them property brokers mm. and, um, yeah, 90, 95% transaction that they're done like that. Mm. Big over there. It's big in Sydney and Melbourne. A Gold Coast, it's next to nothing. So I was like, I, I just seen a huge gap, like massive gap. And I'm like, I'm just going all in and, yeah. and hitting this because I know the service works. I know what I can bring. I know what our company brings. It's just a matter of, um, yeah, just, just nailing it. Like, as you know, like when you're first to, first to the party, you know, it comes a lot slower, but... Um, I feel like, I'm, like since our business has started, it's just slowly churning away and the results have been awesome. So I'm really grateful for that. But yeah, essentially that's what, in a nutshell, that's what a buyer's agent, just just helping the buyers out, mm. give, them a, give them a fair crack. That's it, man. Yeah. I mean, it made a lot of sense to me when you explained it. It was good. It was simple. Mm. It was simple. I understood and it made sense. Mm. And I think, like you said, if you're you know one of the first to market here in Australia, it's only going to be sort of a plethora of growing success mm. uh, as you do everything in a qualitative manner to, to be able to build those relationships, cultivate mm. your name, your brand, your reputation. And then, you know, in the future, there's no reason why, hey, man, maybe, you know, you'll have a chain or you'll have, mm. you know, you'll be in a part of a group because mm. you were one of the first people in this space to take that sort of ingenuity and go, hey, you know what? We, we need to power the people. Mm, exactly. Again, what are you doing? You're problem solving, you're helping people. Mm. I mean, that's yeah. ultimately... The goal is not like the money is a byproduct, but yeah. it's you know what, giving so people right. like you said, it's the biggest asset. It's, Why wouldn't it's, you? It's you're so right. I love that. It's identifying the pain and the problem, and I'm giving them a solution now. So one thing I, I yeah, I say to clients when um, I meet with them is is I'm just identifying their pain and um like anyone who might be listening to this who has bought property, it's not an easy process and there's a lot of frustration and pain involved in it. So it's one of those things a lot of people and a lot of my clients actually don't really enjoy. It's like a lot of them are either 
a bit time for you know they're, they're professionals like yourself and they're good at you know training i got my last client was um head of commercial at a really big company and he couldn't think of anything worse than he wanted he knows the power of buying an asset mm. but he just doesn't have the time and then i've got another couple who have got the time but they don't have the expertise to execute and um, making money on the way in so um yeah there's a broad range of people it's just about helping holding hand and um, alleviating pain like you, as you know like in your industry when there's a pain factor and you can provide a professional solution um, yeah it's all about that's what it's all about really I'm just providing a solution to their problem yeah yeah no, absolutely man I don't know we're, we're pretty close on time here because you've got some meetings to go to and I appreciate it sweet. Um, I'd love to ask two more questions if yeah, possible sweet, man. Um, and then perhaps we like we've discussed do a bit of a round two because I know there's a lot a lot more value yeah, here man. that we we can um, we can delve into and there's a lot sure. more questions I'd love to ask sure. from a selfish perspective yeah. <laughs> but um, good value for the listeners the first one is uh, as we talked about at the very start of the podcast what are the, some of the skill sets that you've applied from rugby and playing at a high level in that sporting environment to now at mm. a you know a high professional level in again probably the highest in terms of sales role or if you like buyers in this case because we're buying where again you're helping pair people with you know their dream homes and again the biggest asset that they're probably ever going to purchase in life because unless you're buying million dollar companies which is not going to be most people mm. or buying football clubs and airplanes mm. it's going to be the house yeah and most people just you know they, they're going to spend a, a big chunk of their life there mm. so what are do, do you have any major crossover skills or anything that's really helped you sort of hone in and you know you're good with people you can empathize do you think there's things that you've learned from rugby that you've applied and it's been like yeah you know what that really helped me yeah like could could literally do a podcast just on that i reckon like as you're talking i'm just thinking and reflecting Um, see the wheels turning yeah oh man it's it's insane like like literally everything that got me to where i got in sport is now helping me as an entrepreneur and my, my business now it's crazy like discipline's probably the th- first thing that popped in like i don't I've, i don't have a boss who i need to it's up to me at the end of the day so if i'm not putting in the discipline making the calls putting in the effort hustling on the ground to find my clients the quality property then no business breathes do you know what i mean it, it, it's the oxygen so um and no one's there to tell me to do that it's completely self-motivated so same as when my footy, no one had to tell me to do those extra hours of training or um, those extra skill sessions, you know, it's self-driven. So I think when you have a bit of a purpose, you lay down the law to yourself and your own standard um, and you make it happen. I think that's what it is. It's the internal dialogue. I heard this from Tony Robbins actually. It was like, your internal dialogue, um, we've all got a set standard. Like We've got this standard in our own head that we set for ourselves. so sometimes you know like like you'd probably think to yourself you know alex connor you know fit you know um you know muscular like that's the standard you set and so your training your food reflects that that standard you know what i mean correct yeah it's the same 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 in business and i've got a bit of a standard where i know where i want to get to that's the standard i'm holding um to myself and yeah same when I was in sport, like if I was out partying and drinking every night, that's not standard to be a professional athlete. So, um, yeah, I think it's just that internal dialogue of um, discipline, big time. And then, um, 
yeah, definitely in resilience, probably the biggest one, like in footy, in the sport world, honestly, the amount of knockdowns you get, not just physically, but mentally, you just get, you got to get back on the horse, man, and, and keep going. It's the same in, same in the real world. I've worked in sales before, you know, it's like, like, you know, 100 no's before one yes, do you know what I mean? So, yeah, you just, you know, probably one thing I learned in business is don't take things to heart so much, be centred, like, if the service isn't for someone or, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's fine. Like, like don't take it to heart sort of thing. You stay centered. And when you do get the wins and when you do making sales and, and bringing in um, coin, like don't get over the moon either. Like just stay centered. Like it's all part of the journey. So same as footy, like one minute you're man of the match, killing it, you're all in all the newspapers and that next minute you dropped or, you know I mean? You have to stay centered. So. Yeah. And, and build resilience so they're the first as you're saying that I was reflecting in those two things probably the discipline and um, having resilience I'd say for mm. sure I think there's some really good takeaways for a lot yeah. of people as well and especially that last point sort of underline that centred I was yeah. speaking to a client only today about you know there's, there's going to be highs and lows in life but if we're always having these peaks and troughs mm. this is an issue yeah, where we kind yeah. of want this more like yeah. nice flow yeah. where we're not having massive highs and massive lows mm. and to context that it's like well yeah we, we want happiness and then obviously there's going to be days where we're sad it's inevitable mm. but mm. if we're having these huge upswings mm. and downswings that's, that's where it's yeah, yeah, it's, there's, there's some really sort of um, deeper underlying issues there to address because mm. like you said you don't want to be reactive, reactive you want to yeah. respond not yep. react yeah. easier said than done yeah uh, my last question for, for today matt so i think i'll save some uh well not only just the other ones but the sort of last signature question i ask all my guests for the next one because a bit more in depth mm. this one's still thought-provoking and i think they have a really good answer for it based on what mm. you said it's if you could get one post out to social media uh we complete completely free but it would get in front of absolutely everyone so the best paid advertisement for free uh, just a little blurb that everyone would read or see. It can be a picture and words. What's the message that you get out? Everyone would see it on their devices, their laptop, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, the TikTok oh, crew, geez. you name it. It's getting out there, eh? Mm. What message would you send? Oh, man, I would say... Um, I'd have... All right, I'd have, a, I'd have a little... It's just popped in my head. I'm just saying the first things that come in my Dude, head. So it's a split post. It's just like one like quote it. on top, one on the bottom. It's <laughs> 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 split both. I like it. Uh, so I've used the layout app to put See, them both in. Clever. Yeah. 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 More um, value, mate. That's it. So the top the top would just be plain black and white and say, um, the unknown is where possibility lives. And then the bottom one would say, choose courage over comfort. I like it. You know what I mean? So... I feel like courage is huge. Like getting out of your comfort zone, and oh man, that's that's probably I'm so passionate about that because there lies what you've been hoping for. It's on the other side of of um, fear, and to get to actually make that step up, you've got to have courage. Mm-hmm. And I heard this really good one. From, I think it was Mel Robbins. She um she was saying don't. It doesn't like confidence. You can't like get it you got to sort of choose it you choose through courage yeah it comes on the back of courage it's not like some people are just born i mean some people are more confident than others but it's probably because they've chosen courage a lot more times than comfort it's come the default yeah it's come the default yeah so if you're more courageous you've got more confidence and that just keeps spiraling like um like in, in property it's like um 
you know, when you invest in something, it just keeps turning over and it gets bigger, snowball effect, you know? Um, same as same as courage, I reckon. The more courage you take, the more confidence you get, the more confidence you get, the more courage you're gonna keep tapping into bigger, bigger leaps. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and then that links into that top post, the unknown is where possibility lives. Because, yeah, what's the, you know, what are you fearful of? Like, who knows? Who yeah. knows? The possibilities there, man. It's so, true. Yeah. Everything, everything you desire is on the opposite side Literally, of fear. Literally, eh? 100%. Literally. And I think that is a very appropriate way to round out what's <laughs> been a great little short and sharp podcast a little bit of a shorter one this week for guests but I appreciate your time Matt would love to do a part two yeah right let's do it in the meantime for people who want to perhaps follow you get in touch they want to know more about you know a buyer's agent the property perhaps they want to reach out you know for your services where are the best places for people to to get in contact and and follow along with you because I know actually we didn't mention this but You've been putting a lot of quality content out. We talked about that before. I really like it genuinely. Mm. I think it's great. I think it's really relatable. I think people can take some like takeaways out of it real fast, mm. and it's easy to watch as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where's good. Where's the best places to connect up? Yeah, just on social media. I'm, I'm I'm pretty active on there. So just at Matt underscore Sram on on the gram, Matt Sram Facebook, um, and the website's www.thesramagroup.com. So um, yeah, anyone reach out anytime. I'm all about empowering others if they've ever got questions or anything like that as well so um yeah here to support man and surf that's what it's about 100 percent, i appreciate it and for all those people listening or watching on youtube we will uh put the links in the show notes as always uh, so you can definitely follow along and matt will be able to help you out and we will definitely look for the round two as well guys before we sign out just a quick one as always remember to leave a rating and review if you've not already done so appreciate it as long as it's safe and you're not driving helps the channel grow helps us help more people and of course if you're on youtube i've got to say it guys like comment and subscribe and of course Until the next episode, stay fearless.